was at a, uh, a work dinner recently, uh, and at this work dinner, I met somebody there, a subcontractor who had been working for the construction firm that we worked with, and I had exchanged emails with this guy, I had yeah, lots of phone yeah. calls with this guy, but I never actually met this, this individual before. And my perspective of this man's company uh, was, and still is, stellar. It was a brilliant company to work for. They produced an excellent product that we uh, use on our building sites, and we hadn't used them before. Uh, thanks, Hans. And, uh, and they deliver on time, and they're always there to help us out. They understand the pressures of a building site. And, uh, and so I have a really high perspective of this man's company. And I'll definitely be recommending him uh, to our office team to, you know, to tender for future jobs. But what struck me when uh, I, I, I met this guy is the perspective that he had of his own company and the words that he used to describe his own company, which, which were words like, well, you know, we're just a small provincial company, you know, we, you know, we do our best, we do all right. And what I realised in that moment is that my perspective of his company and the potential that he has in the Wellington sort of construction industry and the potential of, you know, and, and his own perspective were worlds apart. And as I was having this conversation with this, with this man, it, it dawned on me and I just felt the Holy Spirit encouraged me that actually as a church, as Christians, we don't want to have a small perspective of ourselves, a provincial mindset of what God is calling us to do, all the while God having massive plans and purposes for our life. I don't want to live my life with a provincial mindset while God has great things in store for us. And I just felt prophetically that it's, it's time for us as a church just to take stock. It's time for a perspective change. It's, it's time for us to not allow small thinking in our church anymore. It's time for us to think big and have a perspective of ourselves that matches God's perspective of us. It's time for us to partner with what God says about us. The most important thing in our life, in your life, is what God says about you. And that's where the prophetic is really, really important, isn't it? I mean, we get these prophetic words. I I love the prophetic. I love it. God giving us these words that are so outlandish that when we hear them, we're just like, yeah, really? But that's why the prophetic is so important, because it's God's perspective, and it takes us out of a little provincial mindset and brings us into His purposes. Excellent. I love it that God has prophetic words over your life. I love it that God has prophetic words over this church. And it's important that we go back to these prophetic words and let them encourage us and let them fuel our faith and our trust in God. Yeah. And some words you get, and they're very encouraging, other words that you get, and they are foundational either to your life or to the life of the church. And I want to read out, I want to uh, visit and focus on one such prophetic word uh, this morning. A word that has been spoken over this church for nearly five years now, and I feel that God would just want to bring it back to the surface and go, and go come on guys, how are you doing with this? What do you think about this? And so it's a, it's a foundational word that was brought to us by a prophetic team from the Bedford Church. And uh, Julian's going to come up now and, uh, and share that word. I asked him to channel his inner William Wallace. So it's, it's more BJ than me. Just get your best Australian <laughs> God 
is coming to do something and it's about the work of his mighty hand among you. He is coming, says the Lord, to shake up and renew and restore and do things that at the moment are only dreams but will soon become reality. And the Father says, you need to see yourself as not an, only an isolated church community. But what I do here is for the serving of the nations. I feel, as it were, that New Zealand itself is under God's magnifying glass. It's like it appears bigger than it is. But what God wants to say to you, Wellington, is that you are going to punch far beyond your weight and there is going to come from this church a resource that extends from this church even to the very nations of the earth. That will at times appear to contradict your size, your lack of experience and your lack of resource. God says that I will resource you with such a richness in depth that you will be able to bless even the nations of the world. Even in your own life, nation, it is like I can see concentric circles rippling out. I can see a 10 kilometer circle that he is drawing around where you currently meet. And God says, I want you to extend your influence within that 10 kilometer radius. And then I see a 25, a 50, a 250 kilometer radius. And God wants you to know that you are to be a resource church for this nation. A resource church for this nation. I want you, says the Lord, to see yourself as I see you. Even as I called Gideon a mighty warrior before he really was. I want you to hear, says the Lord, your prophetic destiny before you even before, sorry, eat, uh, sorry stay again. <laughs> I want you to hear, says the Lord, your prophetic destiny before you even feel like it's a reality. That you are to be an apostolic resource base for the nations. And I'm putting my magnifying glass upon you. And what I do here will ripple out and ripple out and ripple out, says the Lord. This is my plan and destiny for you. Man. Wow. What a word. Yeah. <laughs> now, I can't help but get excited by a word like that. Would you guys agree with me? Yeah. That's a big word, isn't it? It's, it's a big word that casts a big vision. And it challenges. But it also highlights our limitations, doesn't it? Yeah. You know you've got your iPad or, or your computer and you, you turn up the contrast and the black gets blacker and the white gets whiter. You read a word like that and it our limitations sort of, uh, seem to be highlighted even more. But God wants to encourage us this morning that it's not about our limitations, but it's about God's intent to bless us. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. See, Adam, Adam, uh, sorry, Abraham, I should say, he received an equally well, greater prophetic word over him. God spoke to Abraham and said, All the nations on the earth will be blessed through you. All the nations, imagine I've seen it. Or every single nation on earth can be blessed through you. That is a massive, massive word. 
uh, Isaiah, God says, Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. I mean, God knew Abraham's limitations. He knew what he did and what he didn't have. And that wasn't the point. He wasn't to focus on the fact that he was one man. He was to focus on the fact that God was blessing him and was doing something in him. But it is possible for God to prophetically speak over a people and for them to neglect that calling. Yes. Paul says to Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual uh, gift you've received through the prophetic words spoken over you. Give complete attention to this matter. Fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you. Give attention to what God has spoken to you about. Imagine God, God's given you a massive word and it's like a raging bonfire and then you go and check out how it's working out in your life and it just looks like this small little ember. God is saying, don't neglect that. Fan it into flame. Give attention to what he said. Because yeah, it might just be a little ember now. might be small and limited now. But in line with what God has spoken, if God's spoken it, it will be a raging fire. It will come to pass what he says. And so a word like this is not for us to neglect just because we feel provincial. Actually, no, it's to pray into and to give attention to. Yeah. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to give us an opportunity, some time, to give a word like this some attention. I want to teach into a passage this morning that we might unpack what it is to be a resource church. That we might explore, at least in a few ways, what it means to acquire resources and give away resources in the economy of God. And so we're going to do that by looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and this is, we're going to continue in chapter 9. So we've been looking at 2 Corinthians and we've got about three or four or so uh, talks to go leading up to our weekend away, which is going to be a great weekend away. Uh, so we're going to look at a few verses there. It's, it's quite a fitting connection actually to, to look at the Corinthian church because they also were a small, locally-based church who needed to adjust their perspective for the bigger picture. Paul was saying, hey guys, God's grace is on you as a church to bless the nations, to bless the Jerusalem church who needed financial support. And the Corinthian church themselves, they were literally at the crossroads of trade by sea and by land, and God saying, come on guys, wake up, you are going to be a springboard to the nations. My grace is on you to be a generous and giving uh, and resource-based church. So the passage is uh, from verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it's written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So what can we learn from a passage like this in terms of being a resource church? How can we uh, encourage ourselves and fuel ourselves hearing a, a massive prophetic word like that, uh, the one that Julian just read out? Well, I just want to hone in on three verses and just unpack each of those verses. But it's, it's, there are three verses 
is that basically make the same point. One main point, and that is this. It's God who makes us fruitful. It's God who makes us fruitful. He wants us to understand the principle in the kingdom of sowing and reaping, and that both are a work of His grace, and that when He speaks, we pay attention and we position ourselves ready to receive that grace. That's the big point. It's God who blesses us and makes us fruitful. Abraham was one man. That's all he was. This is one man. But then God blessed him and he became a great nation. Hmm. So I've been just mulling over this whole principle of, of sowing and reaping. And so that's the first verse I want to look at here. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The Bodhi translation for the second half of that verse is Kotemea he maha ana e rui ai, he maha ano ana e kokoti ai. Maha means abundant, rui means sow, and kokoti means harvest. So it seems like a pretty simple translation, you know, like uh, maha rui, abundant sow, maha kokoti, abundant harvesting. It seems like a fairly basic equation, doesn't it? When we talk about sowing and reaping in this way, though, it starts to sound like, and it can quickly sound like, you know, we get what we deserve. You know, we work hard, we, we plow hard, and so as a result, we get, uh, we get the fruit of our labour. And it starts to sound like we earn everything that, you know, that we, that we have. And after all, somewhere I'm sure it says in the Bible, you know, if you're not willing to work, well, you're not going to eat. You know, doesn't Paul say that somewhere? And that's the, that's the mindset that we can have when it comes to sowing and reaping. I'm going to give to this, you know, in order to earn what I get back. But God wants us to understand this morning. He wants us to mature our thinking on it this morning. He wants us to know that actually both our sowing and our reaping are a work of God's grace. Yeah. Both our sowing and our reaping are a work of God's grace. Yes. And it dawned on me that actually understanding this will not enable us to sow less will actually enable us to sow more. Yes. Because what little we have, we are not scared to give it away because we know that God is a loving Father and He will abundantly bless us. And actually equip us to give more. Yeah. I love a good uh, children's uh, story. Uh, I'm a bit of a connoisseur when it comes to a good children's book. I love reading my daughter's good children's books. And uh, I've been reading this uh, Winnie the story, uh, well sorry, Winnie the story, Winnie the Pooh story at the moment. And uh, this is a really it's a cool story. And I love Winnie the Pooh because the characters are so strong and, and everyone can relate to one of the characters, can't they? You know, whether you're the Eeyore or Donna Rain, you know, or whether, whether you're, you know, Rabbit and you're working hard, or whether you're Tigger and you're extrovert and you're bound. And I love Winnie the Pooh because everyone can relate to, to one of the characters. I can probably relate to uh, Rabbit the most, you know, like work hard, make the lover go, you know, like, what are you guys doing having fun, you know, like, that's, a, that's the kind of Rabbit mentality. And, uh, and I just read this book and it sort of spoke to me, you know. So um, the story starts, and there's Rabbit, he's working in his garden, uh, and he's wishing it would rain because the plants are dry, you know. He's sowing really hard, he's working really hard, and nothing's happening. And so he picked the story up, and he says, as usual, there are those who can lie around while others work, growled Rabbit. He grabbed his watering can and went to get some water. If only it would rain, for heaven's sake. As soon as Rabbit left, a group of teeny white clouds passed above our friends. Look carefully, Piglet, said Pooh. Here comes a big sheep right above us. <laughs> and so there's, 
about it, and he's, he's trying to make it happen, you know? And there's Pooh, and he's just like, look, a beautiful cloud, you know? And then what happens is, uh, there we go, Rabbit storms off of this water again. I'm going to make it happen, you know? I'm going to so hard. I'm going to wreck this. So he grabs his water again, off he marches, and then you can see the friends are just having fun there. And then what happens is, as soon as they put leaves, leaves, the rain pours down. Just absolutely drenches the friends, and this rain comes from heaven, and they are just they're saturated, and you know, you can read the story uh, yourself and see how it works. Cliffhanger. What happens next? But you see, Rabbit misses the point. If we have a work hard, earn hard mindset, then we have a small watering can. If we are partnering with God by His grace, then we have a, the heavens are going to bring rain mindset. That's good. If we have a work hard, small, you know, watering can mindset, we will only ever reap a small harvest because we are only sowing by our limited means. If we have a channeling with God's grace mentality, then we will bring about a harvest that we can never match by our own efforts. That's what it means to sow and reap by God's grace. And sometimes that will mean lying on our backs and staring up at the clouds and watching what God will do. So, there is a work hard, you know, contribute so generously mindset in order to reap generously, but at the same time, we understand that both are a work of grace. And we'll look at how that works as we keep working through. Verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is able to make all grace abound to you. The modern translation for that is Etaya Anahuki Ete Atua Te Mia Kia Hira Nga Aroha Noa Katoa Kia Kota. Taya means to be able, and Atua is our God. Hira is abundant or numerous, and this phrase that's just captivated me this week Aroha Noa. We know what Aroha means. Aroha is something and you give it away. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes right back to you. Yeah. Aroha is love, right? <laughs> but Noah is a word that is three letters long, but it has a, an explanation that is paragraphs long in the Maori dictionary. It means without restraint, without restriction. It means without conditions, unbridled, exceedingly, without even knowing why or not even understanding the good reason for it. God loves us with an aroha noah, a love that is exceedingly great, that we can't even get our head around, that is without condition, that is without restriction or restraint. It's like the rain that just absolutely douses Winnie the Pooh and his friends. And that's what grace means. And grace is big to us as a family of churches yeah. in the New Frontiers. Aroha noah, love without restraint. So this verse says that God's will for us is that we would abound in every good work. Who wants to abound in good work? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Who wants to be, you know, just chocker full of enthusiasm for what God's purposes are in your life? Who wants to be able to feed the poor and house the poor? Who wants to be able to see the dead raised? Who wants to be able to see the sick healed? Who wants to be able to see people in this community raised up as leaders of the nation, as, you know, as business leaders? Who wants to see... Point to a change so that our city is a story for nations to tell. 
Who wants that? Yeah. Who knows that we need resource for that? Oh, we need money. Oh, we've got limited time. Oh, I feel tired. <laughs> Who knows that we need resource for that? Now the question is, we're going to be a resource church, we have to understand where does that resources come from? Is it plough hard, work hard, small watering can mentality? No. This verse says, abound in every work, you need sufficiency, but the, the root, the stem of it all, is that abounding in God's grace. Abounding in his aroha noah. Abounding in his goodness. Lying on our back, staring at the clouds sometimes, and that he is good. Abounding in his resources. Some of us need to repent of a rabbit mindset. I know I do. <laughs> Working to make it happen. Maybe that's you this morning. And God, I just want you to just relax, drop your shoulders a bit, and partner with him in the right way. But what I didn't understand as I was preparing this talk is if that's the case, if it's all from God's grace and, and it's all, you know, it's where it all stems from, why does he still require us to sow? Why would Paul use a farming illustration that it seems to be all about hard work? Why couldn't he use an illustration like, you know, the Israelites in the desert where they just wake up one morning, ah, oh, there's, a, you know, some honey wafers on the ground, let's eat them, you know? Like, why use an illustration that does talk about actually contributing and plough and, 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 and sowing? Well, I can think of three, you could probably think of a few more. But firstly, I think he still requires our, our, particip our participation because he enjoys working with us. We're his children, he likes to partner with us. God's way that he wants to bless this world is through you. He said to Abraham, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. All the nations of the world will be blessed because I directly downloaded to them. Well, not through Abraham and yes. his people. Yes. Now, we are the children of Abraham, right? Yes. So, through us, all nations will be blessed. So, it requires a giving away of ourselves. It proves that God wants to use us, and it proves that he loves to work alongside us. Yes. The other thing I think why sowing is still important is because it's like an emptying of our cup that he might fill it again, so that we always know where our resources come from. Yes. You know, we are called to empty our cup and go, please Dad, can I have some more? <laughs> you know, oh, you want more? <laughs> I forget what David Copperfield, is it? Oh, <laughs> I just remember James Major used to go to this church, and he played David Copperfield at Power College. And he played the, you know, the big bad guy. More, you want more? I said. <laughs> Well, God's not like that. He goes, more sure. <laughs> so it is an act of faith. And in our DNA as Christians, we have to be called a people of faith who yes. empty our cup in order that God might fill it again. And thirdly, the third reason why sowing, I believe, is important is that in doing so, it's an acknowledging of God's loving character. It's, it's, and God loves that. When we empty our cup, it's like we are dependent on Him, but we know that He will because He's a loving God. So when my kids, we have dinner time, we always have dinner at the table, and the kids rush up to the table, they will sit at the dinner table even if there's no food on the table. Why? Well, you might say because, you know, <laughs> you bring dinner every night. But, well, at least at the, you know, 
Because, it must be at least because they know that we are loving parents and they have no reason to doubt that we will give them a meal every night. Sowing is like emptying the table and still sitting at it and expecting that God will bless us. And it's like an acknowledgement of who he is. Yeah. That's why he longs to use us, to, yeah. for us to sow. And so you need to, you know, um, you need to apply what sowing means to you. It might be giving of your time, it might be giving of your money, it might be giving of whatever. I don't, I can't sort of, you know, apply it all across the board. But whatever it is, it's because he enjoys working with us. It requires an act of faith, and it's and it speaks of God's loving character. And as a church, not just as individuals, we are sowing into our vision of who we want to be because of what God has spoken over us. So we are looking at, we want to be a multicultural church. We want to be a multi-generational church. We want to be a Tūrunga Wai where we are home for people. Uh, you know, for all, all nations and all ethnicities to come and be a part of what God is doing. We want to, you know, step out in the kingdom. We want to see all these things happen. And so all the little things that we are doing are sowing into that vision. And they might just seem small, you know, I get up and say, Morena. <laughs> uh, they might seem big, you know, we're giving thousands of dollars away during at a gift day. Whatever they look like, they are, are sowing into our vision, emptying our cup, trusting that God will fill it again and make our cup bigger again. Yes. We'll move on to the next verse, verse 10, the last one I want to look at. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Increase the harvest of your righteousness in the Maori translation is e whakanui hoki ngahua o to kontou tika. Whakanui means to enlarge or expand, and hua means abundant fruit. Koto tika means your righteousness, your uprightness. The first thing I see in this verse is that he supplies, as we've already heard, both seed and bread. He's the one who, even what little that you have to give, he's the one who gave that to you as well. <laughs> And then when you give it away, and you get a harvest back, he's the one who gives that to you as well. It is all by his loving grace. I love that last phrase there about increasing the harvest of our righteousness. There's, there's something locked in there. I want to unpack a little bit. Increase the harvest of your righteousness. Let me ask you a question. Where do you get your koto ticker from? Where do you get your righteousness from? By working hard? Flowering the ground, did you earn that? Or was it gifted to you by grace? That's the gospel message. We had nothing to offer. Our, we had no standing before God. And then Jesus stepped into the fray. He died the death that we deserve. He got rid of our sin that he would make us right before God. Our right standing before the Father. Now as a son or as a daughter. But now there is a harvest to that righteousness. It's not just a, you know, a status that you get. There's fruit as a result. Who thinks that Jesus deserves a lot of kudos, a lot of mana for what he's done? Huh? Who believes that Jesus deserves a lot of praise and a lot of fruit of the harvest of his righteousness? Yeah? Yeah, who believes that you know, Jesus is just a really cool guy? Well, guess what? That deservedness that Jesus has to earn a harvest is credited to you by grace. So we don't just earn Jesus' righteousness, we earn his deservedness to 
be blessed because of his righteousness. So when you have an empty cup, you don't say, I have a cup, can you fill it? I've worked really hard. You say, Jesus deserves this cup to be filled. I want some more, please. That is your status as a son or a daughter. So when we talk about resources channeling through this church for the blessing of the nations, that's because Jesus already deserved it, and you get to inherit that deservedness. That's what it means to be a resource church for the nations because of what Jesus has done. So none of it's ours, <laughs> and it's such a joy to be used by him, and we get to chat, we get to partner with Jesus and his and his deservedness to use that word too many times. <laughs> <laughs> There's something else I want to unpack in this one here. Seed to the sower is bread for food. What's he talking about? Paul isn't just talking about a natural order of things. He's not just talking about sowing and reaping. He's actually quoting a famous passage in Isaiah, which is Isaiah chapter 55, that talks about rain and snow coming down from heaven, landing on Winnie the Pooh and his friends, watering the earth, and making it, you know, sprout, giving what? Seed to the sower and bread to the eater. But then he applies it deeper still. He says, in that way, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose, and that, and it shall succeed for that for which I sent it. In other words, he will enrich you and me because he's spoken. Yes. And his word is a life-giving life. In the beginning was what? Nothing. Then what? God did what? Spoke. Then what happened? The world was created. When God speaks, life happens. And when God speaks over us as a people, it's like a stream of grace that's just flowing. We want to jump into that and go, yes, God, more please. Little embers, I want a big fire. Let's go. What can we do, you know? It's about partnering with what God has said. And that's why the prophetic is so important. When we believe God's spoken to us, a foundational word, we don't neglect it, but we partner with what God has said he will do, even if it doesn't look like that around us. God speaks, and when he speaks, he's sowing a word. And the master farmer will always get a harvest. When God says something over your life, he really means it. <laughs> he really means it. Yeah. And the question is, will we... Will we have a provincial mindset that just says, you know, I'm small, I'm nothing, who am I? Or will we say, yes, God, amen, bring it on, what can I do, you know? How can I partner with you in your grace? <coughs> God says to us, I will resource you with such a rich, richness and depth that you will be able to bless even the nations of the world. That's what God has spoken over us as a church. And when God has spoken, we want to pay attention and step into that stream of grace. I don't want to end up like this guy, <laughs> spilling off with my little watering can. I want to enjoy the favour and love of God, blessing my life, and using us as a resource base for the nations, but understand that it is all a work of grace. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Let's stand. understand that we are just like clay in your hands, Lord. <laughs> and you will shape us in any way that you want, and we for one say yes and amen. Yes and amen, Lord. We say we are sorry for that rabbit mentality, Lord, with our little watering can thinking we're going to water the earth, 
for you have a rain and a harvest in store for us. Lord, help us to repent of small thinking, provincial thinking. Help us to agree with what you say about us, Lord. We lay down our small ambitions. We lay down our, our excuses. We lay down our limitations. And we say, thank you, Lord. You've blessed us. You're going to use us. Yes. This isn't a hyping up, Lord. This is saying, Father, you said. Father, you said that through us all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Father, you said. You said, Lord. That we will be a resource church for this nation. Father, we love what you're doing amongst us, Lord. We want to praise you. We want to honor you. We want to thank you, Jesus, for your grace. We just want to shed off. I just feel like spiritually, you all just want to do a little boogie. Just do a little shake. And just shed off this mindset that says you earn it, you deserve it. Because it will limit our hearts. We say yes and amen, Lord. Come and do a work in us. Come and bless us, Lord. Come and bless us, Lord. Father, you said we would be a resource church for this nation. You said, Lord. And we partner and we agree with you. 